Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Explain This. I'm with the star of the show, Robin Riddle. Robin, we're remote, but you seem wonderful. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing wonderful. It's uh, We're filming this uh, during the Christmas holidays, so uh, I'm excited for this season. I'm in a great mood today. This is a great time to do our recording. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're, we're all in good spirits. And uh, and you know what? Today's topic is is one that uh, a lot of my friends are going through. Uh, it's, it's, it's around female fertility. And yeah. uh, you're going to dig deep into you know, uh, what females need to or what they can do to increase the chances of getting pregnant. Is that, am, I, am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, so female fertility, let's, uh, let's start there. Talk to us a little bit about that. Okay. Perfect. Um, so, you know, we talk about male fertility a lot. We've done several videos on that. I wanted to get into the females. Um, and this is something that a lot of, like I said, a lot of people are dealing with. So I'm going to start out with a few statistics first. Um, so research shows with just normal women, not on any treatment or anything like that, women under age 30 have about a 25% chance of conceiving every cycle that they are trying. Um, after age 30, so between age 30 and 35, that drops down to about a 20% chance. Age 35 to 40 goes down to 15%. Over age 40, down to about 5% chance of conceiving naturally per cycle. Okay. Um, but research also shows that women are waiting a lot later in life to have children. Um, so it, looking at statistics over the last 30 years, the birth rates in women ages 20 to 24 has declined by over 40%, while birth rates in women ages 35 to 39 has increased by 67%. That's interesting. Yeah. So women are not having babies as young as they used to. A lot of women are, you know, building their careers, getting married later. And so they're waiting until they're in their well into their thirties to start having children. And that means. So because that, of that, yeah. we're also seeing. Go ahead. Sorry. You cut out for a second there. <laughs> you're, you're good. I, I'm sorry. I, I interrupted you there. It just, it prompted it uh, like, so more and more people are, are going to need to be intentional around it is, is, is kind of what I'm hearing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Things have to become purposeful and you've got to figure out ways to also preserve fertility. Okay. Um, so that's something that we'll get into. Um, but because of these statistics, women waiting later in life, we are seeing a rise in infertility. So infertility is defined as not conceiving naturally after one year of trying. Um, or after age 35, it's actually considered, they drop it down to six months. So not getting pregnant naturally after six months of trying. Mm -hmm. um, one in five women are now struggling with infertility. Um, and then one in four women are with, within that group, one in four of those women will struggle to maintain that pregnancy after they achieve pregnancy. Mm -hmm. um, so fertility is not doing great. There's, there's some major issues going on and a lot of women are struggling with this. Um, and what's sad is there's such a stigma around this. You know, a lot of women don't ask for help when they should. They struggle with this on their own or they, they feel like there's a stigma to it. Like, what's wrong with me? This is, you know, this is my job. It's what I'm made to do. Why can't I get pregnant? Um, there's not enough open conversations about it. Way too much judgment about it. And a lot of people don't know that there are things that they can do to help improve um, their chances. And things that they can be doing prehand, um, to, like I said, help preserve that fertility. 
go ahead. So, so, so two things here. We're talking about the the ability to get pregnant as uh, as our rates go down yeah. and maintaining that pregnancy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's a lot of things that we can do that we can intervene. Um, even women who are not ready to get pregnant yet, things that they can be doing to make sure that they are staying healthy well into their 30s and going on into their 40s if they intend to get pregnant at some time in the future. So I'm going to go through a list of things here. Right. Um, number one, maintain a healthy weight. Weight is huge in this. Uh, we talk about weight a lot. A lot of issues come from being overweight. Hormones can get out of whack. Insulin resistance, which then drives a lot of inflammation. We can get a lot of issues over out of being overweight. Um, but there's also a lot of issues if we're underweight. So we want to maintain a good, healthy, middle of the road, not overweight, not overweight, not over or under. Um, minimizing stress, excessive stress, either physical or emotional stress definitely affects fertility. Um, life in general is stressful for everybody nowadays. Um, that's just kind of, we, we're always running on empty for a lot of people. Um, never really getting that time to relax and turn things back down. That's very important though, when it comes to fertility, if your body's in a constant fight or flight, it doesn't want to get pregnant and maintain a pregnancy because it's thinks that there's a lot of other more important things going on that it needs to deal with. Right. Um, but then the, the physical stress too, not over-exercising. Um, I'm sure everybody's heard of you know girls that do gymnastics and Olympians and things like that will completely lose their period. And it's because of the strain, the stress on the body. So we need just, we, we need to exercise, which that's the next point um, is exercise, but we need a good, healthy amount of exercise. Um, you know, three or four hours a week has been shown statistically to increase fertility levels significantly. Interesting. Um, yeah. So, and it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot, you know, 20, 30 minutes in the morning, go for a walk, go do a little bit of weightlifting. This doesn't need to be hours upon hours of exercise, absolutely killing yourself every day. But that's going to help with weight, that helps with stress, that helps mood, that helps hormones. Lots of things are going to be benefited just from getting in a little bit of exercise every week. All right. So I'm, I'm hearing so a little bit of exercise, but not overdoing it because I, I know, you know, a, a lot of women in particular can uh, exercise from a place of anxiety and, yeah. and overdo it. Um, yeah. So so around three to four hours. Um, what are some other lifestyle stuff that we can that we can do uh, to help with this? Yeah, no smoking, um, which this one is one that everybody should know at this point. But smoking is not good for you. It's not good for a baby. Um, you know, I used to deliver babies. That was about 10 years of my career as an RN is I actually delivered babies. And those were some of the most irritable babies. And some of the worst withdrawals that I saw were babies of smoking moms. Um, so it's, it's very tough on them. We want to eliminate smoking even before we get pregnant. So we don't have any effect on the developing baby. Um, and then also not drinking excessive amounts of alcohol. Technically, if you're trying to conceive, you can still drink, um, smaller amounts. I definitely, personally, I recommend cutting out alcohol completely when you're trying to conceive or building up to that. Just, it, it's not needed. It's something that's going to be a little bit more inflammatory. Um, but, you know, if it's worst case scenario and you find out that you're pregnant and you had a drink a week or two before, it's not the end of the world. Got um, it. But definitely not being excessive in this. No binge drinking. That's not going to help fertility at all. Uh, out, of, out of curiosity, Robin, um, so so we're, we're cutting down on the drinking while mm -hmm. trying to conceive. What about coffee? Because I think coffee is one that you're, you're not supposed to overdo it. 
Did, right. Did yep. I get ahead it, of myself there? I, that was my next point, actually. You're perfect. <laughs> um, caffeine intake needs to be decreased dramatically. Okay. So the studies that are out there have shown that under 200 milligrams of caffeine per day tends overall to be okay. Um, when I'm advising patients, I tell them to cut it out completely um, or keep it, I think, under 100. So, you know, even decaf coffee is going to have 20 to 30 milligrams of caffeine in it. So you can't overdo it on decaf things either. Okay. Only caffeine free is truly caffeine free. So even teas and things like that are still going to have caffeine in them. So really dramatically cutting that back or getting rid of it altogether. Um, caffeine is not good for the developing nervous system of a baby. Um, and all of that stuff starts developing in the first seven weeks or so. Um, so that it happens fast. Yeah. So if you're still consuming a lot of caffeine early in pregnancy, it could have a negative effect on the baby. So it's best just to get that out of your system ahead of time. This is probably the second worst, worst withdrawals that I've seen are caffeine babies. Interesting. Um, so it's, it's not something that you want to be consuming a lot of in a pregnancy. It absolutely will affect a baby, but it absolutely affects the ability to even get pregnant too, if we're consuming really large amounts. So interesting. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I, uh, I'm starting to see how it's important to start the way you would approach your pregnancy is very similar to the way you should approach the, you know, the fertility period trying to conceive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that leads into the next one, actually, is avoiding exposure to toxins. Mm. Um, so a lot of times we know during pregnancy, we want to avoid, you know, you don't, you don't want to be painting a room or something like that because of the fumes. You know, there's things that women know to stay away from when pregnant, but those things are important to stay away from when trying to get pregnant, too. Um, and we've done, we've already done and explained this about that, about preconception. And so that's a good one to refer back to, um, talking about getting things out of your body, but avoiding environmental toxins, avoiding toxins in foods. So switching to a more whole foods, organic diet so that we can get away from like the pesticides and things that are on our foods and in our foods. Um, looking at what you're applying to the skin every day. Uh, I think in our preconception one I talked about, they are, they've started doing a lot more studies in women um, in pregnancy and then testing babies after delivery and seeing 200 plus toxins in these babies, um, actually just in cord blood. So things are absolutely going through mom and getting to baby. Mm -hmm. um, I even saw a study the other day that they're identifying microplastics in breast milk. So everything that mom consumes, even before she's mom, is, is going to have an effect on baby. Um, if you know that you're prepping for pregnancy and you're more than six months out, you can even do a detox to try to kind of reduce the toxic load on the body. Um, if you are already pregnant or closer than six months to conceiving, it's not a good idea to do a full-blown detox because it actually um, mobilizes things that we don't want mobilized at that point. Okay. So that's a, a detox is more of a, a long-term six months to a year out. Um, definitely could do a, a, a bigger detox. If you're closer than that, again, just start avoiding it in the foods. Don't be putting chemicals on the skin, read the labels of everything that you're using, go to all natural products as much as possible. Mm. Um, because all of those things do affect fertility and will affect baby. Super fascinating. And, and this, I, this might be a, a terrible question, Robin. Does, <laughs> does any of this lead to like a, um, an easier pregnancy out of curiosity? Uh, like, um, 
like just taking care of some of this stuff, all of the health stuff, does it does it make for a uh, easier delivery, um, easier uh, time I with the pregnancy? I definitely think so. You know, there's not a lot of studies done around that. So it's going to be harder to find through research. Um, but if you don't have that heavy toxic load on the body, if you've already dealt with getting rid of all the stuff that we need to get rid of, um, it's going to make a pregnancy easier for a lot of people. We're going to avoid some of the health issues that could come up in pregnancy. We're going to have a healthy baby, which is what we're all going for. That's right. That's right. Um, so the next thing that we can be doing um, in helping with fertility and helping to get pregnant is actually knowing and tracking your cycles. So a lot of women already do this. They already know how to do this going into it. There's a great app called Pre-Mom. Um, it's a wonderful app that helps you track everything. Um, but that's something really good to bring into your provider. So if someone were to come see me for fertility, that's the first thing I'm going to ask about. What are your cycles like? So that's something you can do prehand, already have that information. So when you go in to see your provider, you can talk about it. Typically, cycles lasting between 21 to 35 days are considered normal cycles, um, the average being 28 days. Um, anything shorter than 21 days or longer than 35 days is typically considered an issue, probably not ovulating in that kind of cycle, which is going to make it impossible to get pregnant if you're not ovulating. So that's good information to bring into your provider. Know what's going on. Okay. Um, another th other things you can do, uh, hydrate and eat a fertility-friendly diet. So everybody stays dehydrated chronically. I don't know anybody that drinks enough water, but this is a time in life that it is very important to drink enough water. Um, so that varies based on person size, but we've got to stay really well hydrated. Anything with caffeine in it is dehydrating, but if we're trying to get pregnant, we shouldn't be doing caffeine anyways. Um, so lots of good hydrating drinks throughout the day, eating lots of fruits and vegetables, healthy fats, lean proteins, organic as much as possible. Some people should even consider removing gluten from their diet. Um, especially women with polycystic ovarian syndrome, which we've talked about before, um, they already have a lot of inflammation going on. So removing gluten from the diet can actually be beneficial. Super interesting. Uh, the uh, fertility, a fertility diet. I like that. Yeah. And it's just super healthy. We want yeah. to be healthy. Um, another thing that can be beneficial, and this is where you get your provider involved, is knowing your numbers. There's a lot of labs that we can look at. Um, and, you know, these are things that can be done just as a baseline, like, hey, at some point I want to get pregnant. Let me see what's going on. This can be done early in the process. So this can be, you know, we've been trying for six months and we're not there yet. What, what are we looking at? Um, so different labs to look at is going to be um, looking at a thyroid panel, um, testosterone level, an AMH, which is anti-malarial hormone, and a prolactin level. Those can be drawn at any point in your cycle. Um, so those are not time sensitive. So thyroid panel, testosterone level, AMH, and a prolactin level. That's okay. the beginning of a workup. Then whenever we get into specific hormones, we want to draw an estradiol level, a follicle stimulating hormone or FSH, an LH or luteinizing hormone. Those need to be drawn on cycle day two or three. So very early. Cycle day one is the day you start your period. So right after starting a period, that's when women are gonna come in for those labs. Then to look at progesterone levels, we like to get those on set cycle day 19 to 21 if it's a normal 28 day cycle. 
Basically, progesterone, we want to catch the peak of it. That happens about one week after ovulation, about one week before she's going to start her next period. So timing is really critical when you're looking at hormones. Um, and a lot of people don't know that. A lot of providers don't know that. They'll just draw labs randomly and be like, yeah, everything looks good. Um, you literally have no idea what your progesterone levels are doing unless you catch at peak. Progesterone is what maintains a pregnancy. Um, estrogen is what gets an egg ready. So we've got to, tr we've got to draw those and check those all on the right days. So, so are you seeing women come in, you know, multiple times during the course of a, of a month for these, for these labs, because it does seem, you know, yeah. it, we'd love it if they could just, you know, knock it out in, in one, in one stick, but it seems as it's going to take, you know, a, a couple of different ones. Yeah, it's going to be at least two. Okay. So like the thyroid panel, the prolactin level, the testosterone level, and the AMH could all be done with the FSH, LH, and estradiol on cycle day two or three. The progesterone level has to be that peak one week after ovulation. That's the only time I can really tell you for sure progesterone is getting high enough. Okay. If progesterone is not high enough, you will not maintain a pregnancy. So that's the beginning workup to either know baseline, hey, does everything look good? Or to know, start digging into what might be wrong. Um, and then women can do at-home testing for LH, luteinizing hormone. It's uh, little test strips that they do and test urine at home. Um, and that helps to actually detect when ovulation happens. Okay. Uh, the pre-mom the pre app is really beneficial in helping with that as well. Um, so those are things that I definitely coach patients on. And then starting on supplements. So I've said it before, if you're not preventing a pregnancy, you are trying to get pregnant. Uh, and you need to be prepared for that by also having your vitamins on board. Um, so prenatal vitamin is absolutely critical. As soon as a woman starts even thinking about having a baby, or even you can take prenatal vitamins before you're ever to that point. They're a great vitamin. They've got a lot of stuff in them. Um, so being on a good solid prenatal, I like the brand Smarty Pants. Um, it has the methylated B vitamins in it, which is important if you don't know your MTHFR status. It's a whole nother rabbit hole to go down. But if you don't know what your MTHFR is, just go ahead and take a methylated B vitamin. Um, so Smarty Pants is pre-methylated. Um, vitamin C, usually I recommend 1,000, 2,000 milligrams a day of vitamin C. Um, that's especially critical for fertility. And then once you are pregnant, um, we don't want to get sick in pregnancy, especially early in pregnancy. It's not a good thing. Mm. Um, so keeping that vitamin C high so we can keep that immune system strong. Vitamin D, typical recommendation is anywhere from one to 5,000 IUs a day. That's usually a good one to go ahead and draw your levels on and know how much you're really going to need. Um, CoQ10 is another great vitamin. Um, it helps actually, it's shown through research to help prevent miscarriages when taken early on. Um, and taking this long-term actually helps to preserve egg quality as well. So for women who are not to the point that they want to get pregnant yet, but they know they're going to want to later, CoQ10 is a great one. Um, every year, egg quality continues to diminish. Um, and so CoQ10 can help keep that quality better. Mm. Uh, there's a supplement called L-Arginine. Um, and this one is usually dosed anywhere around 1,000 milligrams or so. Um, but that's great for helping with nitric oxide production, which helps blood pressure. So it's good for, it actually can help increase estrogen levels too if estrogen is too low. Um, great for blood flow to the uterus. There have been studies using this for helping to prevent and or treat preeclampsia, which is a, a disorder where your blood pressure gets too high in pregnancy. Um, so lots of great studies around that one. Vitex or chasteberry 
is a good hormone balancing supplement. This is not one that you would continue into pregnancy, but if we think hormones are a little bit off, it's a good natural way to try to balance things pre-hand. Um, inositol is another one that I use sometimes. I recommend this for all of my PCOS patients. Uh, PCOS, they're always dealing with that insulin resistance. So it helps to improve that, manages those PCOS symptoms, improves fertility that way. Um, but also once pregnant, for anyone who is a high risk for developing gestational diabetes, this supplement's really good for actually helping to prevent that. Um, P5P, which is a form of B6, uh, that can be taken to help with nausea. Um, so a lot of women are deficient in B vitamins, specifically B6. A lot of women have nausea early in pregnancy. If you actually start dosing with P5P before you're ever pregnant, it can help prevent nausea in pregnancy. Interesting. Um, that one's usually around 25 to 50 milligrams a day. Uh, ashwagandha is another great one. You know, we talked about stress being a huge factor in fertility. Ashwagandha can help improve fertility. Um, now that's not one that, again, you want to continue to take once you are pregnant um, because there's not been a ton of research into that one. But in daily life in general, improving fertility, it's a great one. Uh, and then the last one that I really like is glutathione. Mm. So glutathione is a, an antioxidant. So it helps to reduce oxidative stress and inflammation, which is great for everyone. Um, but it's shown really to be beneficial in pregnancy as well. You know, what's so fascinating, Robin, is, you know, as I'm talking with you here today, it, it's complicated to get pregnant. <laughs> it is. It is. And not for everyone. Some yeah. people, the first month they try, they're good to go and things are great. But that's, again, where that stigma comes from of like, well, we've been trying and I'm not pregnant. What am I doing wrong? Yeah. Um, it's very normal. Like I said, one in five women deal with this, one in five couples. So it's very, very normal. Um, and I just, I feel like it's hard for patients to get good information about what can be done. Um, so it, it can be complicated, but there's a lot of things that we can do that absolutely can help and, you know, makes you feel like you're doing something for sure. Well, and, and that's what I love about this episode is, is that it, it hopefully will give, uh, women, you know, uh, a lot of encouragement. There are things you can do, um, specifically yeah. for those who, um, say they haven't gotten pregnant yet. Um, there are things you can do. So, so thank you, Robin, for, you know, walking us through that. Cause I know this is going to, this is going to help uh, a lot of people and then, you know, people that we know. So, you know, hopefully, you know, if, if yeah. this isn't you guys who are listening, I'm sure, you know, somebody, so, you know, be sure to share this, uh, with somebody who might really benefit from this information. Um, because I, I can imagine that that would be very frustrating, um, you know, if you're going through a, a couple months where, where it's, it's been more difficult. Uh, but as Robin has said in this episode, there's lots of things you can do. And, uh, and Robin, I, I just, I really appreciate you, you taking the time today and, and walking us through that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to. Um, Robin, uh, I'm going to let you get back to it. I know you're busy, um, <laughs> but it's so good seeing you and thank you for, you well. for taking the time today and, uh, uh, recording this explain this episode with us. Uh, so Robin, thank you. Absolutely. Guys, as always, uh, we will see y'all next time. You name it, we explain it. Uh, we'll see you guys in a bit. Don't go away.
Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, Please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, We will see you guys next time.